here on YE1, we don't skip transfer windows. So for episodes five and six, we're delighted to announce the signing of renowned Spurs media man, events director, and above all, enormous Tottenham Hotspur supporter, Theo Delaney. Welcome, Theo. This is The Year Ends in One, and I'm Ian Wallace. Yes, I'm delighted to welcome our listeners to another edition of the Year Ends in One, hashtag YE1. We've been blown away by our early listening figures via iTunes and Spotify. We also massively appreciate the ratings we received on Podbean. Any comments or feedback will be so helpful. The regular five, including myself, are all here again. I'm joined by my son, Casper Wallace. Hello. Simeon Wright. Hi again, Ian. Ricky Swarbrick. Hello. And Sim's father, Peter Wright. Hi. Episode 5, we are greatly grateful to welcome Theo Delaney to the podcast. So welcome Theo. Thank you very much. We're absolutely thrilled to be here. It's, it's, it's like it's like you're a bit of royalty uh, for oh, me, you know. I've listened oh, to. Please, a, I'll stop. I've uh, I've listened to. I've listened to. Uh, I'm sure we all have listened to the Spurs show over the years, um, and you know, it's it's just a wonderful podcast. And you know, I think you know, even though we 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 sort of want it to be, we want to rival with the Spurs show, but yeah. you know, it's a wonderful podcast. And I just sort of want to say what a what a fantastic one of my favourite ever podcasts. And I think if anyone can get it. Is the Harry Redknapp live? Oh, Did you enjoy doing that? Oh, I loved it, of course. But Harry, I mean, you can't go wrong with Harry because he, you just almost flick a switch and then he's brilliant. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's so funny, so engaging, brilliant storyteller. Yeah. The funny thing about that night was I remember he arrived and it's at the Hundred Club, which is a fantastic old mm-hmm. rock and roll venue, obviously in uh, the West End. And he arrived with a small entourage. He came into this really shabby kind of green room. Sat down, very friendly and charismatic, shakes everyone on hand, says hello, smiles to everyone, sits down, and then he says, the first thing he says is, oh, I've just walked through the uh, crowd, a lot of Tottenham fans here. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> there was a, small, was a slight silence, I said, yeah, it's, um, it, it's the Spurs show. He went, well, sorry, sorry, what is it? I said, it's the Spurs show, that's, that's why, I oh, I see, okay, yeah. He didn't actually know, oh, no. he just knew it was a booking. But, but then he was just putting, he just yeah. focused and he just sold all the Spurs stories. It was really. great because there's a, there's a great story. I don't know if anyone around the table has ever heard that one. And I noticed that it's in the back catalogue. Yeah. Um, the story about William Gallas. Yeah, just yeah. Hilarious. Exactly. Got, leaving in the middle of a game. Yeah. yeah. To pick up his son, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just a great story. I, I cannot yeah. recommend uh, to listen yeah. to that that one. You know, is that one of your favourite ones to do, Theo? Oh yeah, but all those live ones are special because, of course, you, you're, ba- yeah. you're basically hanging out with your heroes. Yeah, like Glenn, so, the Hoddle one was yeah, we've done. We've yeah. had Glenn a couple of times. And yeah, it's been brilliant. And, but all of it. I mean, we've got yeah. we've got Crooks and Archibald at Christmas. I'm yeah, so Ooh. excited. Oh, about that. Your Christmas party, yeah. yeah, that will be. Yeah. That, I mean, that is. I'm beside myself. Yeah, good plug there. And, talk, <laughs> yeah. and talk, talking of plugs, um, can you just, I, I know you've got a new podcast yeah. out at the moment called Life Goals and it might be a good plug because of, of our thousands yeah. of listeners, well, yeah. hundreds, so yeah. tell us a little bit well, about Life that. Life Goals is uh, completely different, it's, it's club neutral, it's not just a Tottenham thing and what it's about, it's very simple, it's just, it's a bit like Desert Island Disc where you get someone who's a big football fan and you ask them to choose the eight, what I call the eight defining goals of their lives and then they relive them with you and you play a bit of commentary they choose bits of music to evoke the time as well. Yeah. And, and you know, we do them in chronological order. So you get a little bit of a life story as well. You get a lot of football, but you get other aspects of their lives and everything. So we've had Kevin Day, Paul Hawksby, uh, Rufus Jones, the brilliant actor, writer. And then we've got coming up people like Nick Hancock and Andy Dawson, loads of other great people. So it's going well, thanks. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I, really, I, look I, love, I love the Hawksby episode. I, I really like the bit where he was talking about uh, setting up his magazine company. Yeah, it. interesting. Pause. 
supportership, if you like, of Spurs. Yeah. Exactly mirrors mine. So same he, he, will, he will have remembered yeah. the vaguely re, sort of in, vaguely remembered the '66 World Cup, but not yeah, really. That's what and then said, the 1970 yeah. World Cup was yes. Yeah, so, was the first one, yeah. That he, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, could, I could identify in some of the some of his music choices. So I, I just wanted to start just you know the, before we go into one of our main topics is to talk about you know, some of the stuff you've done. Um, to do with Spurs and and specifically to talk about White Hart Lane the finale, you know how how did you how did you get, that, get gig? that gig? How did you get, <laughs> did you have to pitch for it? What I mean it was no, fantastic. I didn't actually oddly enough because what happened was I worked with uh, Tottenham before back to, uh, in two thousand seven two thousand six. My uncle Simon uh, is a big Tottenham fan. He's only five years older than me, so he's more like a big brother really. In fact, he's more as much down to him as anyone that I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, and he approached the club in the mid-noughties and said, look, I'm, I'm a, he also does the same job as me. He's a filmmaker, film director. And he said, look, I make commercials and films, and if you ever need anyone, he went to see Paul Barber, who was the chief exec at the time, I'm, I'm at your service because I'm a, I'm a lifelong Tottenham fan. So they, they got back to him a few months later and said, would you be interested in making a film for our charity, Tottenham Foundation, brilliant charity. And I had to be on holiday. We took our families on holiday together. Uh, to Italy and he mentioned it to me he said do you want to do it with me and I said yeah so we made a film for the foundation that went well then they got us to make the films for the 2007 125th birthday of Tottenham Hotspur yeah. yes. uh, so we made a series of little films for that and, they, and, they, and we met all we interviewed people like well all of them I mean I met Dave McKay and David Ginello and it was fantastic so of course we were doing it because we didn't make any money. It was literally no money to be made, but we just had an incredible time doing it. I found myself having lunch with David Ginola in Saint-Tropez, literally. Wow. Oh Al Fresco, you know. <laughs> or, I, or I found yeah, myself yeah. in Dave McCoy, you know, in, in a front room in Enfield with Dave McCoy, just me and him chatting, you know, on camera. Yeah, yeah. So it was an incredible experience. And then we just kept, you know, so we had friends there then and kept in touch. And I didn't do another job. I talked to him about a few things, but then one day, it was funny because it was that, it was about three months to go till the end of White Hart Lane, and they and I just got a phone call from uh, Emma, who's head of marketing there, is really nice, and she just phoned me out of the blue one day and said, "Look, we've got to do a, a kind of a show to mark the end of White Hart Lane. We're sort of we don't quite know. We've got a few ideas. We're sort of pulling them together. Is that something you'd be interested in getting involved in?" <laughs> yeah. And I said, "Yeah, well, yeah, we might might be persuaded to do that." And I, I thought, "Great!" And I went in and did a meeting. And that was it. Yeah, we were off and running. So I think just because they knew me, they just they yeah. didn't have time to start yeah. doing a pitch process and everything. They needed yeah. someone they knew and that had delivered in the past. So it was. Um, there were some great nuances in that. You know, I, I did a little flick, like a little watch of it this afternoon. Yeah. Um, and um, it was it was really interesting that I sort of remember at the time the brass band always yeah. playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it, and they were playing that. Um, yeah. the, the glory glory yeah. and they play something else yeah. just, that's a wonderful backdrop and it yeah. sort of made me stand up straight and be really proud I think yeah. that was just yeah. a, was that was that a good I one think, yeah that was something that I wanted to have I, I wanted that I got that uh, Steve Sidwell is a brilliant musical director he's one of those genius guys who went to the Guildhall of Music he, just, just can, he can write music in his sleep you know he, he worked, he, he, you would be amazed at all the different things he's done like you know, the movies he's done and the ceremonies and the concerts and he's a real go to man if you need a genius and he's a massive Tottenham fan. So we first got him in on those 2007 films. And yeah, so he and I, I said, look, I want it to be, I want there to be a musical bed, but I want it to be completely appropriate. I said, the songs, the actual big songs we want are obviously Glory, Glory, Hallelujah, and When the Spurs Go Marching In. 
and he just uh, he can just do it like falling off a log, you know. And uh, so he was great. He conducted on the day on the pitch. Did he? Uh, so yeah, it's about that's it's about getting. But, but I think the reason why they want another reason why they asked me to do it is they knew that I wasn't. You know, they didn't need to teach me anything. It was so important. It's so important in a situation like that to have someone who already's got all the fandom in their head already. Because mm-hmm. there's any number of professional creatives you can get in. <coughs> who are great technicians or whatever, but you've got to have to explain to them what the history is. And even if they do a crash course, you can't beat having, if, you, if you've been living and breathing it your entire life. Mm. So the film I had to make for it, which I loved with Kenneth Branagh, I, all those editorial decisions, there were so many, they were either came either they came almost automatically, instinctively to me, you know, and that would have yeah. been so it would have been more difficult for someone. So the Kenneth Branagh thing when um, I can't remember what goal it that was. Danny superb, that film, wasn't yeah, yeah when the Danny Danny Rose when you sort of cut Danny yeah, Rose scores yeah. and it cuts back to you and go, yeah. Yes, yeah, and yeah. you and I think to have someone of his sort of... I mean, great yeah. and stature. Yeah, stature that's what it's all about. Like a yeah. real wonderful yeah. thing. But that's why I wanted to, again, I wanted to get him because it was such a moment of pride for the club and you need to, and I and I was very keen to say, which they were very, very, very... I mean, I had to do a big... I did a big presentation to them to begin with about how I saw it. And I thought it was really important to think of this club now as something that was a... You know, I hate the word brand, but in a way, it, you had to think of it as a world-class brand. And so it was so important to get the right caliber of person and caliber of everything for that ceremony mm-hmm. because in the end sky took it and put it out all over the world yeah, 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 yeah. so it's so important to have the right kind of uh, connotations and values in it so it was so important to i knew he was a possibility but the day he said yes it took me ages to get him to say yes because he was finishing off his movie murder on the Orient express and all that so we waited and waited and waited. It was a, it was a massive pivotal moment because if we hadn't got him, it would have been tough. But he, yeah, he went for it. Yeah. And who did you speak to about the rainbow? I mean, <laughs> yeah, everyone was saying that. Yeah, everyone was <laughs> Well, that was the other thing about the ceremony, that the whole thing was that we thought, you know, there were only a couple of things. It's very nerve-wracking doing something like that, but there were a couple of things we knew we couldn't control. If there's a load of rain, we're done for because, and there's nothing we can do about it, so there's not, no point even worrying about it. And the other thing was, if there's a massive pitch invasion, again, if you're completely powerless, there's so many yeah. elements to a thing like that, to a show like that, and it's scary. And yeah. I'm not, also, it's not, I don't do many live events. I'm a yeah. film director, you know. So it's very, very scary. But when, as a film director, what you what you learn over the years is there are some things, not many, that they can't pin on you. Yeah. And those two things, the yeah. pitch invasion, I'm thinking, well, it's a shame, but, you know, what can you do? But as it turned out, there were two fabulous elements to it. And there were yeah. two things that made it uh, memorable because the pitch invasion, you suddenly, when you, when you look back on it, you think, well, actually, they're entitled to have 20 minutes on the pitch after 100 odd years, you know. The fans, they want to do that, why not? And they did it. And of course, the, the heroic clearing of the pitch by Paul Coit <laughs> was one of the great moments of the whole thing, yeah. you know. Yeah, this is so respectful. Yeah. One, so yeah. respectful, good, wasn't it? Yeah. One guy got him off the pitch. Yeah. And the thing about the rain, we thought, oh no, the rain, the rain, the rain. But it, it's almost added to the atmosphere. Yeah. And of course, the rain. What about the heavens opening on those designer suits? Yeah. I know, well, I did worry for the suits, especially Ginellas <laughs> and Cherrygates. They exactly, look particularly yeah. expensive. Yeah. But we did, we did give them all umbrellas, but some of them were quite macho about yeah. it. Yeah. Didn't want to use it. I think it was quite interesting though was the, the the sort of class the way it sort of happened. And when I look at say West Ham when they left their yeah. stadium a few years, it was just chaotic. They in yeah. pitch invasion, classless. Well, we you were know. fortunate because we had those to look at. So you learn from other people's mistakes, obviously. And I did. Yeah. I thought. I mean, the West Ham. I've got two West Ham brothers who won't have that at all. As far as they're concerned, it's the best one ever. Yeah. So they don't see it that way. But I, I think they made you know. 
they, 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 there were a few things we learned from them. I also didn't think the Arsenal one was very good when they left because I looked at them obviously, mm. and they and so. But I mean, I would say that I'm biased, but yeah. and but you learn, you learn what not to do. Yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, I, I can't remember the Arsenal one, but uh, the West well, Ham there you one. Go. My, 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 very bro- memorable. my brother supports West Ham, and my yeah. dad did support West Ham, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just a bit classless for me. It's just oh, the same with That's all I remember. About yeah, that was yeah. that was all on the same day, wasn't it? So it's not really same day. The same day. The same day as the same day. Of course. They gave out. Like, no wonder we. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my um, my favourite thing about our one was the uh, the opera singer. He starts singing "Glory, Glory," and you just thinking, "Is he going to say Tottenham Hotspur?" Yeah. yeah. yeah there were, I mean, yeah. little things. Yeah. The amount of detailed scrutiny that every aspect of the whole thing had to be subjected to is was amazing. Even, and all the words that were sung were tweaked and changed right up until the end oh, really? by various... Yeah, because... Did you have a conversation? Is he going to say Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, and yeah. and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you something else, right right close to the end, because of course the, the way we sing that is Tottenham are the greatest team the world has ever seen. Yeah. And right close to the end, upstairs, in a very high level, someone asked us to change that. I mean, literally a couple of days beforehand because they thought, you know, it's hyperbole and we don't want to be accused of... of um, so little things like that. Yeah. There were loads and loads and loads of details. Like it was a very, it's very high pressure like job. Yeah. yeah, it was like filmmaking, yeah. but it, it was like a three month shoot. That's yeah. what it was like. That's <laughs> like where we were shooting every day. And was that your life for like let's say yeah, a couple was, of yeah. months beforehand? Yeah. yeah, it was. But I mean, what a privilege, you know. I mean, it yeah. was just incredible. I mean, I remember when I was really in the in the when it was because it was it was it was tough. And I remember saying, someone said, and I, I didn't want anyone to know about it. I never spoke about it on the first show. I didn't want any, because I didn't want people saying, oh, you know what you want to do is you want to do this. And now what are you doing about this? And so I thought, I'm not going to talk about doing it at all. I carried on doing this first show. I never spoke about it. But I've got a few friends who are on the supporters trust. And they go and have meetings with the club. And the club told one of them. And he took me aside for about three weeks ago and said, oh, a little birdie's told me you're doing the... Uh, and I went, yeah, Jesus Christ, mate. It's a, it's a hell of a job, and he and he looked at me like I was mad, and he went, yeah, but what a, what an honour, yeah. And I said I'd almost forgotten because I was in the United States, and I thought actually, oh, that's my Siri. He's saying he's saying calm down a bit. <laughs> and I suddenly thought actually, yeah, I need to not lose sight of that because it is an honour. And of course, once it's all over and it's gone well, which it did, it had rave reviews and all yeah. that. Um, yeah. Then then, then you realise what yeah. what an honour. So you had direct dealings with Levy, um, Donna, Maria Cullen, I suppose. Yeah, Donna, I was reporting yeah. to Donna. Very Daniel, well, I did a film with Daniel, of course, a little film where yeah, I yeah. interviewed him. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in there. I spent a lot of meetings in the in Hotspur way, but also at Lily White House and everything. So mm. just for a while, you're, you're, you're sort of on the stuff. And uh, as one guy, that Simon Felstein is a really... A really good guy, you know, the press, the press uh, guy who looks after Pochettino at the press conferences and all that. And he'd always have a little, he'd say, You love this, you love it. Someone would say, We've got to do another meeting on Thursday. And I'd say, Let me look at my diary. He's going, You're coming, you love it. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. And I'd say, All right, yeah, I do. But that's brilliant. I, I'm really great. That's some great insight because it's real for us as Spurs fans. That was just a real emotional day. Remember, Mummy was laughing at me, Casper. I was, yeah. I was sitting in my chair crying because I didn't yeah, actually go was... to the game. I never did go to the game, so I sat yeah. at home and watched it. And I, I cried at the rainbow. Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time in my youth, and we all have spent a lot of time, yeah. possibly Casper apart. Spent a lot of time at White Hart Lane. Yeah, nice and do you know what? Yeah. I, just looking at it this afternoon, I, I sort of love that stadium. Mm. But that's, yeah. how, how do you feel, Theo, about you know the new stadium having you know been entrenched in the old stadium like a lot of us here? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm also very emotionally attached to, to the old White Hart Lane. I first went there when I was five, and I carried on going, you know, and so, of course, you attach it, but I don't, think, I don't think many people, me included, think it was a bad idea to build a better stadium, especially, I mean, we had the enormous privilege, really, of building one right there. I mean, most people have to move to some extent, most clubs. So, yeah, I think the new stadium's incredible, you know, it's just, it's absolutely, it's the best stadium in the world, as we know, for football, and it's, yeah. uh, I, I still think we're all getting used to it. Yeah. It still feels like you're going to a swanky hotel, and, yeah. I, so it doesn't feel like, in, in any way, it can't possibly feel like home in the same way yet, although a lot of people say, and it's true, because it's in the same place, there's a certain atmosphere about it, which is very similar. I was just thinking, like, just compared to the old ground, like, where we really hem teams in, and yeah. tied to the ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're far from making it into a fortress, the new place. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, is there an element of we, we got what we wanted, but we lost what we had? You know, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. But yeah. I mean, sacrificed for the greater good. Mm. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think the new place is fantastic. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves by having an unbeaten season in the last season. Yeah. 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 Most clubs, when they move to a new stadium, find it teams find it hard to settle in because of course that thing that you have the whole point about home advantage is everything's completely familiar one of the things that makes it a special place is at least the the stands are very much on as close to the pitch yeah. as possible which is yeah. great and they're steep you know that's what makes it vastly superior to say the emirates never mind the london stadium you know so mm. i don't think they could have done it much better how do, you, how do you feel? We, we went to the Munich game on um, last Tuesday, Casper, didn't we? Do you, the atmosphere was fantastic in the first half, wasn't it? Do you, do you like in the new stadium? Obviously, you didn't go to the old stadium that many times. but I think, I know what our name is small, but I think everybody's more engaged with like the players because they, they're closer to the pitch. Mm, yeah. And the atmosphere, because it's a bigger stadium, you get more people that are wanting to come because it's new and it gives yeah. you especially if you don't have a season ticket and you might not be able to get a ticket for a long time. So, like, they put everything into it. They're quite grateful to be there, yeah. So then they put all that they have and people, like, lose their voices. Yeah. It was was good the first half, I think, there. And then then Kimmich scored and then (laughs) everything went down. That's quite quite a good timing, actually. Let's let's move on. Our main topic is nicely, aptly titles. How did we get from Amsterdam to the Amex? So, Ricky laid bare some of the team's problems. Ricky, uh, as if a regular listeners would know, is Mr. Doom and Gloom. Um, <laughs> so, he laid, laid bare some of the team's problems numerous times in episode three. At the time, it was 16 points from 16 games. Th- Ricky, I think you said that a few times. <laughs> Performances yeah. and form was sliding. Issues were, settle- were setting in. And now the chickens have seemingly come home to roost with some downright embarrassing beatings. So, gentlemen, how have we gone from Amsterdam to the Amex? What do you think has gone wrong? Well, obviously, I know we've, we've spent like quite a lot of money considering we didn't sign anyone for two transfer, two or three transfer windows. But I think we could have done like that little bit more, like that one signing that, if you think about it, we had about five people on the last day that were linked to the club. Like we had Dybala, Sessegnon, obviously the two, the three signings. So we have five players that throughout most of the transfer window were linked with the club and I think getting three out of them was a bit disappointing. How come this is we're suddenly in this position? I feel like we didn't people are like getting easy game time, there's no competition. Like you saw Deli Ali last season, he was playing every game. Mm. 
didn't play too well. Mm. And Trippier mm. probably had one of the worst seasons. Mm. And he was playing every game. He didn't have that backup. We let him go and we still didn't invest in in even a right back. And we signed Cessignon on the last day of the transfer window and he's injured. What, what, what do you think, Peter? And where, where do you think Casper sort of says possibly signings? Have we invested? You know, should we invest it? What, what, what do you think? What's, what are the problems? It goes from before Amsterdam, really. What do you think about the... I could 16, 17 and 17, 18 seasons. You could put the aggregate points together. We were the best team in the land. We would have won the title based on the points aggregate. But it wasn't refreshed. And we had these two sort of empty windows where... I mean, somebody put up a stat about Liverpool and... The, the number of players they had from when Klopp took over compared to us. We've got by far the highest number of players still at the club. You've got eight but players. Play, players that we yeah. maybe Potts would have wanted to have moved on. And so he's not been able to re-energise the squad. And certain players, that, that back four, have been allowed to age really together. I mean, they, they were the meanest defence in the league at the time. And it's like almost like, it gives me the impression of like a, the shiny paint, the shiny picture, and then the picture starts to fade and then the paint starts peeling and you've got to refresh it. And it hasn't been refreshed. Players like um, Ericsson, I think, I genuinely think he's become disillusioned with that. I'm old enough to remember George Best when he, when, when Matt Busby's great sort of European Cup winning team sort of started to dismantle, he was the only guy keeping United in the old first division. Now it's similar to, I don't, I'm not saying Ericsson's like the only talisman in the team, but I feel that it was his late assists and late goals that were sort of winning games. And he just feels like he, it feels like he's kind of lost interest. It, it's just a, but do you, do, you, do you think to Casper's point, do you think he's not hungry anymore because there's, there's not competition for place? Or do you think that if, if say, Lo Celso was, was fit, he would be that competition? And, and is it just a blip? You know, I said it last time. Is it just a blip? Is it just a blip? I, I don't know. I think it's a blip. I think it's a blip. I, that's I, interesting. I, I, that shocks yeah. me from you, because you're, you're, well, yeah, you're normally quite... <laughs> I, I, I know, but I, don't, I think I'm the only Spurs fan who doesn't think we're in a crisis. I think we're, wow. we're, in, this, we're in a general malaise that we've that's been... That's interesting, yeah. Ricky. That is. But we're in a general malaise that we've been in... For the for the whole of this year, going back ten months, if you look at the look at the Bayern Munich defeat, the, the, I didn't even think we were that bad against Bayern Munich. There was there was so yeah, clinical. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Ajax had been that clinical against yeah. us. Imagine if Man City had been that clinical yeah. against us. Yeah. Manchester City, if the two VAR goals hadn't gone our way, we would have lost that five two. And our league form at that at that time was far worse than it is now. I think we lost to Bournemouth. We lost to Burnley. Burnley. We lost to West Ham. Mm. So what you're saying is we're not in crisis because we've been this bad for all this time. <laughs> it's it's been a mini crisis for about a year, yeah. and and like okay we we were awful. The trouble is, Bayern Munich's not really the issue because I agree with you. You could easily make a case for Bayern Munich. It's that Brighton game. Well, it's Brighton one game. Completely one different. Game. Yeah, that was, that, what, that was a whole other worry. It was it was yeah. it was we've had pretty bad games this season we, the Newcastle game was awful okay we beat but it wasn't that was bad awful. Was it? I can't remember a, bad, a, a performance as bad under Pochettino but it's still only one game Ian said a minute ago the last time we met up for this podcast I kept mentioning 16 points in 16 games well since then we've had four games where we've got six points so that's an improvement 
on relegation form. And it, mm. I just think we've all... I know the I know 7-2 is really difficult to, to swallow. So the, 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 the terrible performance following the 7-2 feels really bad. But the 7-2 was like a weird freak. It was we were still in the game. Yeah, yeah. We were still in the game. Mm-hmm. What I loved was at four two. We they our players looked like they believed they were going to come back yeah. into it. We we didn't get okay at five two, and in the Champions League, seven two is the same as one 0 It just doesn't matter. It just yeah, doesn't matter. It's a league. I mean, we yeah, we so actually to to, yeah. to 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 my point. I don't know what you guys feel about. So the first half performance in Bayern Munich against Bayern Munich, we played really well. Yeah. We made chances. We could have been like say three 0 up, yeah. and so possibly. You know, I'm possibly glass half a uh, glass half full. Yeah. So I sort of felt, yeah, we had chances and possibly we played well. We cut them open a lot. Is it a blip? Mm-hmm. I see it as a culmination yeah. of a few things that have been said. So Theo yeah. said that the Brighton game was a lot worse than the Bayern one. I agree. Yeah. That was a disaster performance-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ricky, I think you might have briefly said that it's been somewhat of a mini blip for coming up to a year now or so. Yeah. And then Peter, you started off by saying that actually. From Amsterdam to the Amex, it started a long time before Amsterdam. Oh, I traced it back to Burnley. And actually, Burnley away. Yeah. And actually, I think I'm not saying like things have not been things have not been as bad as they're looking now. For I'm not saying that they've been on the side for three years, but with our league position has slipped every year. 18, 19, fourth, 17, 18, um, third, and 16, 17, second. But obviously, we come second, and towards the end, we beat. That Watford game, that yeah. West Brom game, that Everton game. We were on fire. We were, especially Deli Alley in that period was mm. brilliant. And if at the end of that season, if we'd invested, a, like not a lot, but a bit, we could have won the league the next season. And mm, yeah. although Man City <clears throat> would have invest, invested a lot under Pep. I think, I think that's a great point. The last season at the lane, we, we, were, we were great. You know, we really well, were. So was, it was a fortress. That was the peak. Yeah, but yeah. do you know what? Do you, yeah, well, I, I, you've I, got to refresh thinking, that, though. You've got to regenerate. Peter, you're so right. And that's, I think, Casper's Casper's. I remember uh, Theo mentioned on the Spurs show recently, you, you made a comparison to Klopp's Dortmund. Have I got that right? Was that yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we talked about the fact that players get... The, you can't have the same voice yeah. talking to the same players for four or five years and mm. expect them to remain at the same level of motivation yeah. and inspiration. But you, but you think, you know... See, I've got the most boring job in the world compared to you guys. You know, I, I work in finance. There's a lot of strategy, and yeah, but every business must invest in talent. You know, we we have like a head of talent in our business. You know, she's responsible for looking at talent. But why? Why? What's happening? Why are we not looking at talent? It can't be money. Mm. Yes, the stadium's there. You know, and that that's in the background. The training facilities, and yes, Poch loves to bring these players through. But can't be money and my, so I suppose my question possibly to I don't know to Peter do you think possibly you know, who's who's making these decisions about non-investment is it Pochettino is it Lewis is it Levy why in the last three transfers there's players out there there's mm. players out there for us to buy we could refresh the squad mm. is it Pochettino can't manage big talent no I think that there's a lot of it rests at the sort of door of the Levy Enoch Lewis regime I think basically you've got an economics graduate in there and yes it's the club turned over a huge profit you've got um, the Buccaneers or somebody playing in there on Sunday have they got like a the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 it's big money you know I saw yeah. the I saw the new pits sliding out but have we lost yeah I mean you know, like that's just that's why I said it's like 
Elvis Presley. He got what he wanted and lost what he had. I just feel that this the business model is great. I don't know if it tallies with winning trophies. Yeah. It's my big bugbear. But what's quite interesting, I think, is that the manager is the most important player, uh, person in the club. Mm. And if you look at Manchester United, they are the absolute definite proof of that because they're the yeah. best manager in the world, best manager ever, and they kept winning. He went, and they've spent so much money since he went, and they've had four different managers, yeah. and they can't even, they can struggle to even get in the top four, you know, and they, they used to be absolutely nailed on. I mean, mm-hmm. they mostly won the league. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much money you spend. There's businessmen at the helm, though. They haven't got a football man at the helm. Uh, and United, it's the same thing with, yeah. um, what's his name? Uh, Woodward. Woodward. It's not a... It's not a football man. But the funny thing about United and yeah. us is that it's it's almost like an opposite problem because their problem is that they've got loads of I don't want to keep it dispersed, but they've got loads of different managers, players all together, yeah. and that's where their possible lack of cohesion is now. Yeah. Whereas for us, it's mm. like too much it's, cohesion. It's too yeah, too yeah. much cohesion that's of gone stale. Yeah, yeah. Like as anything else, you need balance. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but also, it's intangible. You can't really put your finger on it because you you can always find an example. You know, I, I think that's why the manager is the most important. He's he's the he's the guy. He's got to be the players, catalyst. Players are so expensive now. You know, whatever it is, eighty million for for Maguire. Maguire. So it made financial sense for them to try and hold on to their talent rather than sign new talent. But perhaps yeah, the problem with that pushed it too far. Pushed it too far. It's refreshing. Yeah. Is it? We yeah. talk. I mean, Casper yeah. talks about refreshing. We need to refresh. You know, yeah. even say, you know, Casper in your. Your like Casper playing under twelve football team, you know, a couple of years ago you got refreshed with a couple of players. You, you couldn't, you can't have the same any level of a football team. You need to refresh. You know, you can't do the same thing. I feel you to your point earlier. The same methods of training. You know, imagine, imagine the training. Is that getting stale? It's a brown. Yeah. Out, it's a brown out element. It's a, Jesus Perez is well known for training the players to within an inch of their life. Yeah, mm. he really. It's a really particularly the preseason. You know, the yeah. players are puking. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you got to bring new people in because yeah. they're tired of it. Just, yeah. just looks tired. The yeah. whole but, but, it looks stale. To, Somebody used the word but stale. To, yeah, but to my to, to my point earlier, is it? Yeah, have have we been or in the last podcast? Have we been unlucky with injuries to these new players like Le Chelsea? Oh, of course. Yeah. A bit, yeah. And, I, and I, just, I think, you know, just haven't seen too much of him. Obviously, you know, we talked about watching YouTube clips, Casper, last time, didn't we? But I think I think he's a great player. I just, yeah, from what is, I've yeah. seen, you know, yeah. could, could, could he have shaken it up a little bit? made that much difference. I mean... I don't know. Because, what you, what because think I mean? think Newcastle at home, suddenly, if we'd have beaten yeah. Newcastle at home, suddenly we're a little bit higher. It's really fine margins. And, yeah, fine yeah. margins. Yeah. What do you I think, think of Van Dombele, Casper? Uh, I think he's good. I think I'm he's got sure, he's got the ability to shrug players off the ball and pick a mm. ball out in midfield, which mm. you don't usually get. You, you usually get either that one... Big, big um, person in the midfield who can't pick a ball, but I think Endel Belly can can give you that, and he can. Yeah, I think he can. Seems like an all rounder, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, seems yeah. like he's got a bit of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, come come back. Back. Yeah. So, 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 so Endel Belly, obviously the name Dembele. Yeah. Mm. You know, he we we missed Musa and Dembele. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's you know, and possibly this Endel Belly could could be this yeah. person. I think, and I just think I, I said last time in the podcast about momentum. We. We haven't really got going yet, and, no. and possibly I think to Theo's point about Brighton, Brighton was uh, was Brighton reminded me of the of the nineties mm-hmm. performances in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. It was shocking, and that since that alarm bells for me terrible. Hiding behind Brighton players, and this is why it feels like a crisis because with the Brighton game, we all suddenly realised 
things that we previously feared. Vertonghen and Aldevira, their decline is actually much worse than we thought. Mm. We have no... I mean, Peter's been saying, you know, talking about the fact that we've got no pace at the back for ages, but it was really apparent. Yeah. And, you know, that, that goal, we keep conceding that same goal, don't we, where the ball gets kicked over and somebody runs behind our back foot. Yeah, that's all Brighton had to do. On, yeah, on, on, it, was, it was terrible. It was, yeah, maybe... maybe yeah. One of the one possible solution is that maybe he does what he did because five years ago I wrote a thing in the in the Huffington Post about exactly five years ago going into the second international break and everything was absolutely we were on the floor we just lost at home to Stoke City we played every bit as you cited that you cited that in a in a previous podcast you said a lot of us went together yeah 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 and um and they they basically. Uh, I, I wrote this thing saying I can see no future for this team. I have no idea how they can even possibly pick themselves up with the yeah. floor after. I can't yeah. see it. Pochettino had only been there, of course, a couple of months at that point. And what he did was famously, is of course, is he, he just dropped and, and marginalised a lot of the people who were knackered and, and mm. not, not buying into it and had been there mm. too long. He just marginalised them and. Kane and May- when Ryan Mason came on the Spurs show, mm. we did a big live show with him. He actually described what happened there, where Kane there was a massive row, and fingers were pointed at some of the older players who were just not quite putting it in for whatever reason. And Kane and Mason lined up behind Pochettino and said, "We're not going to stand for this because we're Tottenham. We're Tottenham lads, and we're not going to watch while you don't give it everything." And Pochettino said, "Yeah." And uh, that's why you're now going to be marginalised. So I wonder if this is a moment for that, and I yeah. wonder if it's a moment for, and it'll be there will be teething problems, but maybe it's maybe it's a moment for starting Sanchez and Point there, yeah. Yeah. Sissoko at right back, Sessignon maybe at left back, yeah. and then you bring in Ndombele. The Chelsea is now yeah. fit apparently, yeah. so Sessignon, so you bring Ndombele in mm. with um, with Winks. I completely agree with this, and I think we should do that. The funny thing is, it's only a month ago we were sat around this table worrying about the fact we're going to lose Rose and Vertonghen and Alderville. Ah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Maybe it's time for yeah. them to yeah. move yeah. on. I mean, I you, you them? Them we all love them so much. Yeah. They've, been, yeah. they've been among the best players in their positions that we've, I've ever yeah. seen. I've been going yeah. since 1971. Mm. I, don't, I can't remember. I can ne- struggle to name many better left-backs, if yeah. any, than, than Danny Rose at his best. And the same with Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Yeah. They'd almost, they'd all be contenders to get in my all-time greatest. What about Timothy Atuba, though, I think? Hey. <laughs> yeah, we can't have Aurier back either. Do you know really interesting, though? The, the name of Serge Aurier, I remember, remember we were on holiday, we were in America, and uh, we were, we were, walk- where I can remember we were, but we were coming off a coach. We were coming off a coach somewhere, and I'll go to Boston, and uh, we would look at the phone, oh, I've just signed Serge Aurier from PSG, we were high-fiving each other, oh, yeah. weren't we, Casper? <laughs> just because the name there, and I think that's the day and age of these players, so possibly is Potts right in, you know, keeping to what, what is he right in keeping to what he knows, bringing in your Carl Walker-Peters, well, right and... Until it went wrong. Because yeah. with Aurier, there's a switch in his head that just... Yeah. But there's sometimes switches to something yeah, crazy, yeah. and it's it's, just, yeah, he's, he's too, he's a liability. Yeah. You can see why Poch has been persisting with him because because we lack pace. Yeah, it's also really interesting what you say, Theo, about um about the Ryan Mason thing, like when because mm. you could see the difference when he came into the team. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. it really hunger. It just gave yeah, yeah hunger. Even yeah. okay, so I think we could all agree that maybe he was not mm. the best player we could have yeah. had, uh, yeah. but. 
but at the same time, he was the best player we could have at that time. Yeah. Because he just and gave us other qualities. Energy. Yeah. Energy. But then, yeah. I think it might have been the season after that. Um, that Dyer stepped in and that was an upgrade yeah. when Dyer stepped into the midfield and then Wanyama yeah, yeah, stepped in right. the year after yeah. that but, but, and that was an upgrade on him so, the point of, so we have to take a step back but the point about point. refreshing you talked about two players you know two players there Dyer refreshing yeah you know, when yeah they're not well beaters but then we were refreshing the squad we yeah. had three transfer windows where yeah. we bought one player yeah it's difficult to come back from that I think yeah. that's yeah. what we're yeah. learning now yeah. Backwards. Yeah. but who's Levy, in charge of it Levy's in charge it's got to stop, got to stop with him. Surely, yeah. surely as a manager, Pochettino, you know, he's so rated and you want to keep him so yeah. much. Surely you said, look, what do you want? Yeah. You know, I read a really good book about, I can't remember, it's called a football manager and it talks about certain managers can't manage talent. Mm. Like, let's say, a Mourinho can manage talent, mm. but he's not like a Pochettino on the plane, yeah. on the training ground. Mm. Possibly Pochettino, can Pochettino not manage the big players? I, yeah. He likes the players who are... Yeah, who, who, he's brought up through, so he's like yeah. the dad, so if some big superstar comes in, he maybe finds it a bit intimidating, or he yeah. just doesn't have the tools to manage that kind of... I think you're right there. But sorry, 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 yeah. sorry, Ricky, but I, 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 I really do think, you know, I'm, I'm a Poch's hugest fan, but yeah. I, I, am I just so... Because I love the man, am I so sucked in by him? And possibly is, is should he make to Levy? I want, I want this player. I want this player. I, I, I think Poch likes to fix stuff, because I've noticed recently uh, in the last couple of weeks, he's he's got his charm back. He's not talking in the way he did after the Champions League about how I want to leave. He sounds a lot more positive. And Maybe I, it's because he can see the exit. Mm. <laughs> I think I think he likes fixing things. And maybe that's why he wanted the Man United job or, or wanted the Real Madrid job because he yeah. wanted he wanted a challenge. So I'm hoping that maybe a rebuild appeals to him. Has yeah. he got the stomach to build another team? I know we see like Fergie's built team after team. Yeah. After. Does Poch have well, this the stomach? We, this is the biggest question. Energy yeah. to build that's the big another question. team. According to what we hear from the inside, no. Yeah. But that's a worry. So let's, yeah, of course, because if he if he hasn't, then that's it. It's over. I mean, it's just a question of when. But if he is a true great, and there are hardly any, if you think yeah. about it, that actually rebuild and build more than one team at the same time. Bill Nicholson did it. That's why he's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Ferguson arguably did it two or three times. Yeah, Wenger did it. Wenger. Wenger rebuilt it. He struggled once, didn't he? I give him one and a half teams. Yeah, because I agree. Once I agree. that original yeah, defence yeah. went, he never quite yeah. got, it, got it back. But then I am biased, obviously. Like that, he, yeah. built, he partially built another defence. Obviously, Ashley Cole came through the system. Yeah, I'm mean, probably but, being uncharitable. Well, he's like Campbell from us, I suppose. Yeah. But very, very few do it in the same club, build more than one great team. And so, and so you're asking a lot. Is he good enough to do that? A few months ago, we'd have said, yeah, he can do anything. He's like a superman. Yeah. We, did, we, thought yeah. he was, we thought he was completely omnipotent. I mean, I was yeah. shocked. Now you're thinking, probably not. He looks oh. like he wants out and do it somewhere yeah. else. I was shocked by the, by the information you revealed on the show the other day yeah. about how he's lost the dressing room mm. and you said mm. you had that from a good source didn't you and the, and the thing that surprised me most about that was when you said that he's lost Kane because I yeah I, I, don't, I to be I want to be absolutely clear yeah. I don't think the the source said yeah. he has lost Kane okay. he said that yeah. the, he said there was a definite the definite feeling was that he'd lost the dressing room as a yeah. whole and therefore you've got to say well why do the players stay? We felt for a long time those players stay and they're getting paid less than they would get elsewhere. Yeah. Certainly Harry Kane would get twice as much probably yeah. somewhere else if he felt like going. They were staying for him as much as anything. Yeah. So if he's no longer a reason to stay, then what are the reasons there to stay? Mm. You know, it's not enough. I mean, if Harry Kane, if, if Real Madrid say that we'll pay you 400 grand a week and you're only getting 200, 
Mm. You're on property wages, Harry. Yeah. Uh, and he before he said, "Yeah, but I'm happy here. I'm working for my. He's my mate. He's my mentor. I don't think I can get that at Real Madrid. And of course, it's my my club as well, my locale. But the, the, he's not the equation. If he said, "Yeah, I don't even know what I'm going to get next," but I've got Mourinho. He's an absolute. Mm. I think Poch yeah. will have the stomach for a rebuild. If, I think if, so. if Spurs is his best option. So if Real Madrid is not on the table, I I still. Still not sure about Man United. Is that a no, huge step up? I don't know, but yeah. I think he wants. I think he fancies the Man United job. But if those aren't on the table, then I think he'll. I think I feel like he might have already thought to himself, "Okay, I need to knuckle down and focus on Spurs." Just based yeah. on the the tone yeah. of his interviews. I totally yeah. agree, Ricky, and possibly we might come on to that yeah. into like a into another another episode. But I think I think sort of you know, to sort of wrap up. You know, like the, the this episode a little bit. What, what I think this, the general tone is possibly it has been investment and refreshing the squad. And Peter, you just want mm. to make a point about something. No, I'm just saying that someone like I was Fergie. When we talked about Fergie, he knew when to move a player on. Yeah, yeah. and it was often acrimonious. Yeah. But you know, like but you think of Roy Keane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, some of them left on under a cloud. Yeah. yeah. But he knew. Ruthlessly, yes. how to move a player on. Yeah, yeah. And, and when, you, when to move a player. That's one of his. That's what enabled yeah. him to, to build. Rebuild, exactly. You know? Get rid of the dead wood. But, but you think there's strategy? Do you think there are youngsters in in you know, behind the scenes who are coming through? You know, we yes. we, we watched yeah. um, Dali right. Chamlet, um, our local team, Dali Chamlet here, play against the Spurs under twenty three team recently in a pre season friendly, and there's some really lovely footballers, Tasha yeah. and Oakley Booth. You know, are these players? Why, why don't you see these players anymore? Well, I, Can players, the youngsters, not play in a crisis? Yeah, it? I think so. And also, like, God, I mean, history is littered with players who look great at that level and never come through. And also, yeah. some players who look ordinary at that level and really do come through. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I think so. we have to be so careful with yeah. that to not think that what we did what five years ago when Poch was in his first cycle yeah. to think that that to think that that will work again mm. because the expectation has risen so much since then we were on the outside of the top four every year mm. I think show was like almost like laughing it off like yeah. people in the club talking about mm. the top four and it's mm. just mm. they need to they need to get real and we could we could blood those players in the Europa League and possibly the expectation wasn't quite as high it was like Tottenham are, we're trying to get in the Champions League but are just consistently failing but if we were to throw the players in now in this situation that we're in plus being in the Champions League playing teams like Bayern mm. would they not just get absolutely battered well they we got that right. we played just Parrot didn't we in, in the pre-season in the cup no that went well yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's happened to Angus he's out on loan isn't he yeah that's right Possibly, possibly you can't really rely on those those types no, of players. I mean, it's always a bonus if you get one or yeah. two of those come through. Yeah. And we've 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 had a quite a productive time because we had Winks and obviously we had yeah. Kane. Yeah. We had Mason for a while. And, yeah. But that's it's unusual. I mean, Walker Peters now looks like he can't get in the squad. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But that's luck. There's a lot of luck involved there. I mean, we we had a, we've had a good we've had good luck with youth, but it's just it's a bit of a lottery. I think the other element of bad luck is that so many of our players have lost form. Day, Dyer, Dyer looks really bad, doesn't he? Yeah, he does yeah. really floggy. Yeah. But I think it's what's been interesting this week, I don't know if you saw how he's um, sort of not doing any promotional stuff anymore, Delhi. Yeah, yeah, he's got a nutritionist. Like yeah, yeah. yeah and he's, he's focused. I mean, he could be massive for us, you know. And yeah. he, has he been a problem? Is he, is he, for the last, you know, 
year and a bit, he's really performed that well, has yeah. he? Oh. No. He's like our Martin yeah. Peters. Do you remember Martin Peters? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Where, you know, it's ghosting. ghosting yeah. And, yeah. and people often say, well, what does he do? What does he do? Mm. And then, you know, yeah. you if you know. watch him, you watch the runs that he yeah. makes. I think Delhi needs one of those brilliant games where the fans will get behind him mm. and then he'll mm. go on the run yeah. of... of um, of playing well, and I think he didn't play too badly against Bayern. Yeah. No, first off, he didn't. He ran. <coughs> I was he interested. Like he ran a, a lot of player. channels. Yeah. Yeah. Looked, first half, yeah. He ran a lot. Of, go on. He looked like a new player, and I yeah. think last season he didn't really give you that. Mm. And maybe because he was injured for most of it, but still, when he was when he was playing, he didn't. He just wasn't really there, mm. like. For the past few seasons, looked a bit sluggish, didn't he? Yeah, and then in uh, in the last season at White Hart Lane, in his first proper season, he was unplayable. literally unplayable. Yeah, and then he sort of, after the Real Madrid game in the seventeen eighteen, he he sort of went off the rails a bit. Yeah, I think he believed his height possibly. Yeah. Possibly that is a that I is a problem. I heard Harry, Harry Redknapp's talking about him on on the radio. Deal. Oh, this week he's, yeah. he's got to knuckle down and get back yeah. to his football. Mm. Yeah. But that's good. That, that, Forget that's, all the off field yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 But that's what he's going to do, which will be yeah. great. Yeah. He could yeah. be. Will be. He could be a massive like, big yeah. player for you us. You get these players, don't you, in football that have long periods of bad form. I remember Michael Owen, and Lukaku is another one. Streaky mm. players seem to have periods of great form and then and then long periods of bad form. Yeah. And I wonder if that's Delhi as well. Maybe. Yeah. But like, I, it's always been easy to stand by Delhi because of all of the. Well, like you say, the stuff that you don't see, the Martin mm. Peters-esque qualities. Yeah. And, you know, it's... it's. I just think with Delhi, it's, it's when the productivity... When the productivity is not there anymore. Like the goals, the assists. And the flicks don't And work. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah the flicks aren't coming off. And I just yeah. think it's got to the point now where the kind of patience and cutting of slack is just it's starting to wear a little bit yeah. just because you, you're thinking what yeah, are you what on. are you getting for yeah. this for this yeah. seemingly yeah, so luxurious it's certainly no longer an automatic choice no two years ago yeah I mean that England squad yeah. hopefully that'll buck him up I think yeah. Yeah. But we've got too many I've said this before on this podcast but we've got too many players like Delhi in that position who don't have any pace and we're in this kind of era of mm. counter-attacking counter-attacking is the, the fashion now isn't it yeah, yeah. closing down like you yeah. know not letting not let them get out yeah but I, th- I think I think to wrap up this episode, I I, I do think I think the, the investment has been a big thing over the last three transfer windows. I think that's that's coming home to roost a little bit, and and that possibly the strategy and planning of the older players. But I mean, for me personally, I think could it be a blip? Could we go on a run of ten games? I don't know. And then suddenly, you know, the next by the time of this next podcast, it could be all different. I'm but. saying right now, we'll get top four. Three points off the top four at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So actually, that's, 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 that's a really good. That's a really good point to wrap this up. I'm gonna yeah. go around the table. Ricky says we're gonna to get top four. Yeah. Theo, I know you don't want me to ask you this. I just uh, <laughs> I, I, there's so many imponderables. Yeah. Uh, but I am, you know, right? I'm usually optimistic. I, yeah. I scrap, put it this way: we've got a chance because of the shortcomings of our rivals. Yeah. Correct. That's a great point. Um, Sim. See, even when we weren't qualifying for the Champions League, I backed us every year. And I'm gonna have to. I have to back us again. That's because I just. So say that. That's yeah. like, okay, Casper. Top four. I think we'll have that bad run until Christmas, and I think we'll do really well from Christmas onwards. But I don't think it'll be enough. I think I'm gonna go fifth. Ooh. Peter? Just miss out. I'd say like two. Points. Who do you think we'll miss out too? Yeah. Oh. Man United. Man United. No, yeah. Seriously. Happen. 
Well, who are the four? City, Liverpool, Man United, and. Are we worried about Leicester? No. Chelsea would be the four. We don't yeah, they're the ones. We stand. Too good. <laughs> no, don't mention West Ham. Um, the Caspers are no. Peter, what do you think? Top four? I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm just looking at the calendar year. Yeah. Look at the calendar year from mm. January to now. It's just. It's mid table. I'm yep. sorry, it's just. Mid table. Well, the away form. It just, I just and don't think it's, it's good enough. Okay. For since just the calendar year of 2019 puts okay. us in the table. Okay, just, well, just below. Well, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm going for not top four as well. I'm going for a six or seven for me as well. So three, three. Yeah, so three, three, three. Split. Yeah. So that three wraps up those. another episode of the year ends in one. Hashtag YE1 for the trendy youngsters. Um, thanks for listening and share around. Any comments would be great. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. And thanks for your, uh, your time. And thanks, everyone, else for your time. Yeah, thanks for having us. See you next time. Cheers. See you next time.